In today's fast-paced corporate landscape, climbing a ladder from mid-management to the coveted C-suite requires more than just dedication and hard work. It demands a keen understanding of the intricate strategies and actionable insights that can set you apart as a true leader in your organization. Welcome to TOSB Conversation Starters. Today we have with us a global business leader who will be decoding for us this journey from mid-management to the C-suite. Siddharth Banerjee has spent over 20 years in various senior roles with the top-tier multinational corporations, including Facebook India, Vodafone India, Games 24-7, and Pearson. Currently, Siddharth is the CEO and board member at Univo, one of India's leading education technology companies. Welcome to TSB Conversation Starters, Siddharth. Thank you so much, Shreya. Delighted to be speaking to you and uh, the TSB team. Great. So moving from mid-management to the C-suite is a significant transition for many professionals. What are some key differences in mindset and skill set that individuals need to develop to make this transition successful? Thank you, Shreya. I think it's a it's a very important question that is often asked by um, uh, leaders who are wanting to make the transition into leadership roles or general management roles. And I myself have gone through the journey uh, many, many years at uh, Hindustan Lever or Hindustan Unilever as it's known now, then Vodafone, um, then Facebook, um, and then kind of really starting to get entrepreneurial with Games 24 7, um, a leadership role at Pearson, and now um, leader, leading Univo, which is one of India's leading uh, education technology companies. Uh, and, and in this journey, uh, Shreya, what I have really learned is that it helps for leaders to be mindful of three things if they want to transition from a specialist role or a domain role um, into the C-suite. So the first one um, that leaders might like to think of is the attitude of radical accountability. So if you want to move from being a CXO to being a CEO, or if you want to move from being a middle manager to being a part of the CXO table, then I think the first thing that leaders have to think about is radical accountability. The fact that it all is on me to solve, uh, to decipher, uh, to provide a solution. Um, and so therefore, if I am able to take charge of a situation or help rally people around a specific issue or an opportunity, uh, that's when I'm seen um, as someone who's a, uh, someone who adds value. So I think the first piece is of radical accountability. And I think that's important because a lot of us spend our time in the corporate world having uh, various kinds of supporting teams and cross-functional colleagues but the more you rise in your career, a lot of that is your personal accountability that you take and the ability then for you to really make a difference and change things. So point number one uh, for us to think about is radical accountability. The second point um, that, that leaders might like to think about as you think about moving from middle management to the C-suite is the ability to be both informed enough as well as um, astute enough to join the dots. The reason why a lot of advice is given 
to young people in the foundational years, if I can say that, to take up different jobs and to take up different uh, parts of the organization is because you get cross-functional understanding. And as a result of getting that rich cross-functional understanding and understanding all aspects of the business, by the time you are at a at a senior level where you are aspiring for the C-suite, one of the key mindset shifts that you need to make is the ability to join the dots, the ability to create a bigger picture, the ability to see just around the corner, um, the ability to craft a large, ambitious, bold vision uh, for your unit or for your company. So the second point really, um, Shreya, for leaders to think about to make the transition from middle management to the C-suite is about the ability to join the dots and the ability to look around the corner to see what's coming, to anticipate what's coming. So that's point number two. Point number three is personal energy. Um, when you are in a middle management role, a lot of it can be done because you have specialist skills. You're fairly comfortable in your own domain. But as you come in the C-suite, it's a general management role. You have to wear many hats. You have to have empathy with different parts of the organization, different people in the organization whose thinking, whose background, whose skill sets might be very different from yours. And so therefore, a large part of your personal energy is spent first in understanding them. And that understanding then builds empathy and then actually carrying a team forward with your energy, with your vision. So the point on energy is important also because if you are to build a team or if you are to lead a diverse team, um, it often comes because people get excited uh, with a large ambitious vision, yes, but also excited when they actually can feel uh, the energy in the room and the energy of a leader. Uh, specifically that of a C-suite leader. Um, I have always believed that energy is contagious, energy is infectious, and I think that's one of the uh, one of the key uh, successful traits um, that uh, that leaders should have in order to rally people around large, ambitious, and bold agenda. So, if I have to think about three things that I would say to your question, Shreya. I would summarize it as radical accountability, the ability to join dots and see the big picture, and the ability to manage one's energy and to carry along other people, uh, other colleagues with that personal energy. That's very insightful, Siddharth. And uh, you know, while I'm absorbing this, I'm also thinking that uh, while this is something which I, as uh, an aspirant, need to work on, there are certain things which people also need to perceive to see me as a leader. So which brings me to the point of personal branding, which has become a buzzword these days, but there is no denying that it is a powerful tool for career progression. What are your thoughts on that? So um, so thank you for the question, Shreya, because this is a question that I think gets often uh, debated. Uh, the word, the phrase uh, personal branding also has become so misused uh, and at times so abused that I think sometimes uh, people kind of miss the essence of what, what this might have meant. So again, a couple of thoughts on this subject. The first is when you, when you think about personal branding, I think the first part that 
leaders need to think about is nothing speaks better uh, than actually your own work, your track record, your body of work, um, your ability to have delivered on the job, your ability to have delivered yourself, of course, if you are an individual contributor, but also to have worked with people uh, and delivered via people. So I think the first thing is that uh, if you're asking me the question on personal branding, it is that the work first needs to speak. You can put uh, a huge number of uh, social media posts, uh, but they will not do anything for you sustainably till you actually focus on the first tenet, the first foundational truth, which is your work. Um, and consistent delivery of that work. So your work has to speak for itself and people should know you by your work. So that's the first point, the foundational point, the most important point. The second is if we are talking about personal branding, it's also a crowded space. And so like brands would stand out on a shelf of a supermarket or stand out uh, as a commercial that catches your attention in a sea of advertisements, Similarly, personal branding is about standing out. So once you've got your uh, work, your body of work speaking for itself, the second part that leaders might like to think about in this domain is about finding your voice. What is it that you bring to the table which is in your own authentic voice, um, which is not uh, written by a script writer, which is not posted just as a forward, but your authentic voice and the way that you come across. So the concept of personal branding actually rises from the thesis that just like commercial brands, a person or a personality might also be a brand and underlying a brand is always the core tenet of authenticity. So finding your voice and then expressing your voice has to do with your core authentic self, then visible to others in the most natural manner. Now, if that is stage managed or manufactured or you have delegated that to somebody, it will again uh, play out like that. People will read into it. So personal branding efforts will then get defeated. So my second thought uh, for leaders who aspire in this domain is to find their voice. And if I can qualify that and say, find your authentic voice and express it like that. The third thing, is that personal branding or 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 talking to uh, people through social media platforms, etc., is not about self-promotion. Um, personal branding, at the core, at the essence, is about offering a benefit um, to others. Uh, there is this wonderful thought that I read: is that every time you go out on a public platform, whether it is public speaking or, uh, or, or a social media platform where you're sharing your thoughts, always think about what gift can you give to your audience? And that gift can be a fresh new thought or an anecdote from your life experience, which is relevant to others, um, or a statistic or a fact that is very material to others uh, that might benefit somebody. So I think the point here is that it's not about self-promotion. Uh, it's not about blatantly saying how good you are, but it is about sharing some parts of the expertise or the knowledge or the insights that you might have 
which is of benefit to your audience. If you do that, you will be able to see people following you, not necessarily for a particular role or a particular company that you work with, but they will follow you for the knowledge and the insights and the nuggets uh, that you share and the way in which you share, which is your authentic, um, your authentic voice. So I think uh, to summarize, Shreya, three things. A, your work has to speak for itself. B, find your authentic voice. And C, it's about the benefit or the gift to your audience and not about self-promotion. If leaders can keep this in mind, they might be successful in building uh, a true authentic uh, brand which people look up to uh, and expect to hear from. Thanks, Siddharth. You rightly said that personal branding is a crowded space, and I'm sure our listeners will draw a lot, lot of insights from what you just shared on becoming that authentic personal brand to gain from it. Also, you know, I would like to make that safe assumption that every corporate individual wants to grow, but sometimes the path seems fuzzy. And that's where mentorship and coaching can be game changers in career development. So according to you, how can mid-level managers seek out mentors or coaches and what benefits can they draw from these relationships? I think that's a super, super critical uh, aspect of growing in one's career, Shreya. Um, and I have been fortunate that over my own career journey across Unilever, Vodafone, Facebook, uh, Pearson, I've had the benefit of having relationships um, which have been professional relationships, and some of them have turned to be coaches and mentors. Uh, and some of them have turned to a personal board of advisors, if I may. Um, so I think let's start with uh, what are the benefits that uh, middle management leaders can expect from mentors? I think three things. The first is oftentimes mentors are great sounding boards uh, or they are great mirrors. And so therefore they can offer you perspectives that you might know, but you are unwilling to express, or you might not know, but it is visible to others. So I think the first benefit that mentors offer are perspectives and asking the right questions as a sounding board. The second benefit that mentors offer is because some of them have walked the path that you are now walking, they can offer you insights um, and a nudge and some unlock that you might be missing at a particular point in time of your career journey, or you might be missing when you are at a certain crossroads of your career journey and you want some decision input um, and for somebody to kind of give you a little bit of uh, insight into what are the pros and cons of a particular situ situation. So I think the second benefit that leaders might get looking at mentors and coaches is insights and unlocks. The third uh, benefit that often mentors, coaches provide, especially mentors, is of opening up generously some of their uh, networks, some of their connects. So oftentimes at various critical phases in your career, they might be able to connect you and open a door uh, to have a conversation who, which could get into interesting possibilities. And so therefore, because they have the richness of experience, and also of knowing you a little bit, uh, they can do this in a manner which is relevant and which is customized to your need at a certain point in time. 
Now, all this sounds um, very good, but how do mid-managers actually nurture these relationships so that they have these mentors? And I think that's a very deliberate choice that needs personal investment of time and energy for you to A, identify people that you look up to, people that you would have worked with who are a couple of years advanced in the, their life stage and their career journeys. Two, they have to respect you for what you bring to the table. They have to see the spark, uh, the potential in you because it's an investment of time and effort and energy from the mentor as well. As much as the mentor is selfless and uh, is a giving individual, the mentor is also mindful of their own time and their own energy. So they have to uh, understand from you what is it that they will be able to help you and they have to see you receptive to the help uh, that you seek or to the mentorship that you seek. So first is identification. Second is nurturing of the relationship by being clear on expectations. And then the third part is that just like friendship is a two-way street, um, mentorship, uh, both for the mentor and mentee, is a relationship of trust, is a relationship of keeping each other updated of progress. Um, it is about understanding that sometimes, yes, you can build a relationship over a Zoom call, but you can also have a conversation over a coffee. Now, all of that implies that there is investment of time and effort. And that is what a true mentor-mentee relationship can build into, which is a good friendship, a good amount of um, uh, insight and knowledge given at the right time, which is why oftentimes mentors are also called friend philosopher guides uh, as they chart you, not only necessarily through your professional journey, but sometimes also in your life journey. Those would be my reflections, uh, Shriya, on this subject. I'm so glad we're having this conversation with you, Siddharth, because you've been there. You've yourself navigated this journey to the C-suite. So as a current CEO and former CXO, what are a few actionable tips you would give to the middle-level managers who are eager to embark on the path towards executive leadership? So Shia, uh, basis, basis my own career journey and, and, and what I have seen um, repeated over multiple periods of time. So I've actually distilled a couple of um, principles, which I think might be useful for me to share uh, as, as a part of this uh, question that you just posed. Um, I think three skills or three tips or three learnings, if you may, that I would like to share with anyone who's looking to aspire to the C-suite. The first, we are living in a 21st century digital world. There is no way that you will be able to run an organization or contribute to an organization if you don't understand how the world today is changing from a digital or a technology context. So I think the first tip that I would give to anybody is raise your understanding of the digital and the tech world. Um, raise your understanding of how digital impacts the whole value chain of your organization in multiple different industries. How consumers consume today using digital means and how you can make the journey even more seamless how you can make consumers come back to you for more and how can you keep consumers with you. So understanding of the whole digital or the 
tech world in which we live in. So that's the first tip that I would give. The second tip that I would give is know your colleagues well. Colleagues are not only transaction points in an organization, but colleagues are human beings. They are people. Um, sometimes they have good days. Sometimes they have bad days. Uh, but knowing your colleagues, especially your cross-functional colleagues, will allow you to operate in a way that increases your personal effectiveness, but also allows for organizational goals to be met in the most seamless manner as possible. Because everyone is looking towards a good day at work or a good day at building a business or a good day where everyone has kind of rallied together and won a battle, small or big, together. So I think the second tip that I would give to aspirants towards senior general management roles is know your colleagues, especially your cross-functional colleagues. You know, I've said this in you know past um, interactions with the media that I believe in the policy of wearing comfortable shoes. And the reason I wear comfortable shoes is because I'm pretty much, uh, besides the meeting times, I'm pretty much always meeting different colleagues in different floors of the building and different divisions of the organization. Uh, and so therefore constantly have some kind of a face-to-face -face or a person-to-person -person, um, relationship with colleagues, especially, like I said, cross-functional colleagues. The third tip that I would give um, as you look and aspire towards general management roles or CXO roles is constant lifelong learning or upskilling. Um, there are things that did not exist just a few months ago. Uh, nobody was talking about chat GPT and AI uh, just till a few you know, months ago. And now we've seen the dramatic impact that it has got across different industries, whichever role that you work for. So I think upskilling yourself, whether it's through classroom training, attending online courses, or just being a voracious reader are ways in which you will be able to make sense out of the world. A world which is rapidly changing, a world where consumer and consumer behavior is also changing. So you will be able to better make sense out of it. And that's one thing which is required of leaders of today that you can sense make, apart from doing your Excel sheets and apart from doing your business plans, just sense make the world and, and see where we are heading as consumers, as people, and as organizations. So those would be three tips, Shreya, that I would leave for people who are aspiring to get into either the C-suite or to take general management roles. Thank you so much, Siddha. This was a very insightful conversation, and I'm sure our listeners would have a lot of tangible takeaways. If you would like to invite Siddha for more insights, reach out to our team. Stay tuned for more conversations that spark a think. This is Shreya, signing off.